Lord, we just thank you for helping us in our struggles. We thank you that you show up, whether we're on the mountain already or we're climbing it. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us the strength to get there and you're giving us the strength to complete this journey. And Lord, we just pray today that as we lean into you, Lord, that this is just the start of what you're going to do during this service. We're gonna leave transformed. We're gonna leave changed because when you get in the mix, Lord, you give us the strength that we need. So if whoever's here for the first time, a hundred times, in the middle of depression or maybe in the middle of their joy, we just ask that you meet us here, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, give him one more war cry. So glad you guys came out. Say hi to the person right next to you. Welcome them out to Vail and you can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for leaning into this moment. My name is Sean Jensen. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here, and we're glad that you made it out today. Um, it's been awesome to start a new series we've been going through called Out of the Cave, and, and we're gonna get there in a moment, but I just wanna tell you a little bit about something that happened in scripture and, and why we're gonna talk about that is Jesus, while he was on earth, was actually preaching, and he kind of got a big crowd around him, and as he's preaching in a house, he's healing people and preaching, and the house becomes so packed, so chaotic, so full, that actually what happens is there's no room in the house, there's no room in the street, and people can't even get to the place. And these four guys show up with one of their friends who is paralyzed, and they want to get him to Jesus so he can be healed, but they can't get in. There's nothing they can do, but they, take no for an, they don't take no for an answer. So they literally dig a hole in the roof, and then they lower this man down to Jesus' feet where we see gets healed and completely forgiven. And the reason I share that with you is if this is your first time here, you've been coming, I just want to remind you that Vail, we are roof wreckers here at our church. The whole purpose on why we are here is we make sure that we can make as much room as possible so we can see people come to the feet of Jesus so they can experience freedom in Christ. And so as we've been encouraging people and what God is doing last week, we had overflow in the 11 o'clock. Literally, people could not get into this room because you guys are just inviting the whole world to come out to Vail, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. And... Uh, so we've been seeing people make the journey to the Saturday, which has been awesome. People have already headed that way. And so I'm just encouraging you, if you are able, we need to get some more people over to Saturday. We need to get about 150 people there. Like, that's going to be crowded. If you don't like being crowded, you're not going to like heaven, all right? So, um, so if you can make that move, if you could be maybe a comfort wrecker or a preference wrecker or a roof wrecker, and you can make that journey, uh, it could open up some more seats. Obviously, you see we're making room. You guys are like right there. Hi, how are you? Yeah, like it's like extreme close up. Anyway, so I'm sorry, uh, but they're like right there. And that's why, because we're just making room for people. And so of course, keep inviting people, but just wanted to invite you. If you can make the journey to the Saturday, it could result in someone finding Christ and their life completely being changed. So we appreciate you. I'm thankful for a church where we have these problems, by the way. Praise God for that. And so can we welcome everyone joining us online all throughout Illinois and people joining us? Praise God. So we are in week two of a series we're calling Out of the Cave. If you're joining us for the first week, we have been talking about depression. So if you have kids in here that you don't know if you want them to um, hear specific things on depression and the aspects that come with it, we will be talking about those today. So that's giving you a little bit of a warning. Uh, last week, we learned about this prophet named Elijah. Now, Elijah was used greatly by God in the Old Testament, and we saw him begging that God would take his life even after all the good that he has done. And so we encourage everyone in here that if you 
you struggle with depression, even when the greatest prophets used by God struggle with depression, you are not damaged good. God can use you too. And so we've just been kind of pulling the stigma out of this and seeing God work. And we ended last week with Elijah begging for his life. God feeds him and gives him enough strength to get to Mount Horeb, which we'll learn about, and he's in the cave. So now he's in the cave, and we're going to see how God begins to pull him out of that place. And my hope is that God would begin to pull some of us out of the same caves that we might be in today as well, because he can do that. Now, before I read the scripture, I want to remind you, I am not a doctor, a therapist, or a psychiatrist. I said that last week, but I know some people are joining us for the first time. I don't claim to be. It's more complex when it comes to depression, but we also believe that there is a spiritual enemy who feeds into depression, and there is spiritual depression too. And so I've been trying to stay in my lane, but I also believe this series will lead people into help as well. Because at this church, I am pro-Jesus, but I am also pro-counseling. So uh, we are huge on it. We want to see people healed and set free. And so uh, if that's your step, Maybe God wants to do that in your life. So let's look at Elijah in the cave and see what happens. It said, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. He, Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Lord, I just pray right now that you give me the strength to preach this message a third time. Lord, I pray that you would take my words and whatever the individuals need here, just translate it to their heart, that they can have takeaways to encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. A few years ago, uh, my wife called me and she said the school called because my middle daughter fell off the monkey bars and she actually broke her arm and she's waiting inside the nurse's office for us to actually come pick her up. And so she's waiting there. So we decided to rush to the hospital. And so I I brought a picture of my daughter around this time and this is Charlie. I know it's not a great way to start the message. It's like, here we go. This is good. About depression. Uh, So... um, Charlie uh, broke her arm, and in this moment we showed up, we could see the pain in her eyes, and I began to have this idea that waiting in and itself is already hard. Like, when you're waiting on something, it's already pretty tough to wait, but waiting while you're in pain is miserable. It makes time slow down. Have you noticed this? If you don't, just try planking, all right? Like, you'll find out real quick that time takes forever when your abs hurt like crazy. And so, in this season of Elijah, we see he's in a cave and maybe you're here and we're waiting for God to either see freedom from depression or maybe we're walking through it or maybe other things you're waiting for but it's a lot harder to wait while you're in a cave in pain and depression it it like amplifies the time it amplifies all of it and that's exactly where Elijah is waiting in his pain and maybe you're waiting there too Now, before we look into this moment, I did bring another picture of my daughter to maybe make you smile a little bit better. This is her with her broken arm still, but it was Halloween, and so she wanted to go as the crazy cat lady. This is, she owned it. If you're here and you love cats, I'm not calling you crazy. If you're here and you love cats and you're crazy, the shoe might fit. All right, so the truth is, she was that. So I just want you to smile a little bit, but as we talk about waiting, I don't know about you, but in my sphere of life, like, waiting is exhausting, Waiting is not the thing I want to do. I am not very good at it. Yet, we find out in Scripture that if we wait correctly, it can actually benefit us through this journey of depression. Scripture actually encourages that waiting can be a good thing for our journey. 
The prophet Isaiah says, God gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look at this. They shall renew their strength. If you feel depleted, if you feel exhausted, if you feel weary, those who wait on the Lord, they can find new strengths. So waiting can actually give us the strength we need for this journey. I think waiting is exhausting. I don't know if I'm what, what it is about waiting, but to me it's exhausting. But we find out in scripture is waiting the world's way is exhausting, but waiting God's way should be energizing. And so it's not if we're going to go through moments of waiting, it's how we, we choose to wait when we go through moments of waiting. And that is difficult. And so we're going to look at what Elijah did because he waited for the Lord to show up. God gives him a word and then he moves on with his journey. It strengthened him in his season of life and I hope that you'll be strengthened today. But I'm going to tell you today, I am preaching to us. I'm going to sit in those seats with you because I'm not good at this. I was actually contemplating, do I even want to preach this? Because as a preacher, I should like live what I preach. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want to preach this one because this is tough. This is hard. So I'm preaching not just to you, but to myself this week as well. But here's a few things that might help you in your waiting so that you're not exhausted when you wait, but maybe, just maybe, it can give you the strength you need while you wait, okay? The first thing is we should wait with expectation. We need to learn to wait with expectation. Now, when we've been beat up by life and when we feel like we're in a dark cave, we can become very cynical, very pessimistic, becomes very dark, we don't really have any more hopes. We're not very more encouraged. And so when we're in these moments, it's hard to really have expectation and hope. We really don't want to get our hopes up. But I want to encourage you of people of faith, if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. But what we have in Christ, we should have high expectation no matter what we walk through. Elijah, if I... Don't, if you don't remember, just got done traveling for 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb where he's at in this cave. The reason why is in the Old Testament, people would travel to Mount Horeb because that was a mountain where they would worship God and they would hear from God. So essentially, Elijah in the middle of his depression is expecting to hear a word from God on that mountain. He's expecting that in the middle of his pain, God's going to show up. He's expecting that even if he's in the cave, God can still join him in that place. He's going there to get a word from God and he receives a word from God. While we wait, no matter what you're waiting in, but especially in depression, we should wait with an expectation that at any moment, God can show up in your life. At any moment, he can bring a word that can sustain you. At any moment, he can help you. Whatever has been taking you out for 20 years, it can take one minute with God's hand to fix it. We should live with expectation that just maybe today in the 11 o'clock, God could bring a word today that will sustain you for the next year. That's what it means to live and wait with expectation that I may be powerless, but my God is still powerful. And so I'm going to look at this depression through the lens of my God's eyes. I'm not going to look through the lens of my weakness. God is still able to do that. Actually, the prophet Isaiah even encouraged us. He says, when you made God, and you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds. 
beyond our highest expectations. Now, if you're joining us in 2024 for the first time, at the end of the year, last year, I said 2024, our, our church is standing around this word called beyond because we believe God's gonna take us beyond the places we currently are. And so we're gonna expect God to show up and he came and he did things beyond our highest expectation. And oh, how the mountains quake. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait. He works for those who wait. You're telling me, he's saying I can put my feet up and he'll still get to work? You're telling me that when I'm sleeping, he's still working? You're telling me that when I'm in my dark cave, he's still working behind the scenes? You're telling me that when I don't see him, he's working? When I don't feel him, he's working. When I don't understand him, he's still working. Our God will work for those who wait for him, who put their trust in him. I know it may not feel like you're moving forward, but you can always rest assured that God is doing something behind the scenes. We can expect God. Why? Well, first off, he can meet us in our cave. His presence is a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he tells us. So we already can get expectation knowing that if we're in this cave, we're not in it alone. Second thing is that even when it feels like I'm motionless, my God is still in motion and he's still working. And so I'm gonna get my hopes up and expect it even though I'm waiting. And what will happen when you are waiting on God and you realize he works when you are waiting, we can wait with expectation in the middle of our depression. Now, before we get to the next point, though, I got to be very careful with this point because some of you now can do what I do and expect God to show up on our time frame. All right, I'm going to get my expectation up and it's going to be this time and it's going to be this way. Now, I got to be very careful with that because our God knows us better. Like, honestly, he's way smarter than we are. And I know sometimes we tell him how it should happen and when it should happen, but he's got an ultimate plan. And so one way I've been able to like handle this tension in my life is how do I get my hopes up and how can I expect on a good God when I'm also not putting them on my timeline? And I'll tell you how. Uh, a few years ago, I actually ordered a product off eBay. Now listen, before there was Sheen and Timu and Amazon, there was this thing called eBay, all right? You should check it out. There's some stuff on there. And, uh, and so when I was ordering some stuff on eBay, I couldn't find it anywhere else, and so I purchased it. And when I purchased it, I got a tracking order number, and I also got the estimated time that it was going to be at my house. And so I waited for that product, and I was so excited about it. And sure enough, that, that time came, the date came, and nothing showed up. And then the next day came and, and nothing showed up. And so I, I got a little worried because I realized, oh my gosh, I just got scammed from eBay. I should have stuck with Amazon, right? And so I'm like, this person is, probably has a fake account. I spent this much money on this thing and now it's not even gonna show up. I just got scammed off eBay. And so what I decided to do is I decided to jump on and get that tracking number. I'm like, I'm gonna find out where this thing's at. And so I jump on and I realized that even though this original product started from the state next to me, now, for some reason, it's over in California. Have you seen this before? Like, why are you over there? And then, like, a couple days later, it was on the East Coast. Now, I'm like, I'm in the middle. Like, you, like, jumped over me, right? And sometimes it's like, why are you over here? And why is it over there? And so I was getting really worried. And then I realized that on eBay, you can actually look up uh, the seller and find out his positively seller rate. And so reviews and all that. So I looked him up, and he had a 98% seller rating, which is really good on eBay, and it was from thousands of people. So sure enough, I had a little bit more confidence that because of that rating that I was going to get that package, I just didn't know when it was going to come. 
And a few days later, that package ended up on my doorstep, and now I'm enjoying that thing till this day. Now, the reason I tell you this whole story is to help you understand that God really spoke to me through that because I realized so many times we're trying to find out when God's gonna show up and how it looks like it goes from one place to the other and doesn't even look like it's close to home that I can get so focused on God's delivery date. Can I help you today on how you can expect from God? Instead of focusing on the delivery date, focus on God's delivery rate because it's always 100%. He delivers 100% of the time. And it may not be the time that you want it, but it's always the right time. And it may not be the want that you wanted, but it's always what you need. Our God has 100% delivery rate on this side of heaven and on the other side. God can do great things. So that's helped me realize, okay, God, I don't know the date, but I know your rate and you are faithful. And I've seen you time and time again. So I'm gonna wait with expectation even while I'm in my journey of depression and darkness. Second thing, wait with purpose. So while we wait with expectation, we're also gonna wait with purpose. Now, the moment I said that, some of you are suffering and struggling right now. You're like, ugh, I felt really abrasive. Now, I wanna remind you, if you weren't here last week, that myself, I've been diagnosed with depression. Uh, There's been a time in my life where I was on suicidal watch. There's been dark seasons of my life that I didn't know I was going to get through. And so hearing someone say something like this at that time, I just want to be like, I'm out. Because the last thing you have is purpose. The last thing you think about is value. You're just so taken out by what is going on in your cave. And purpose is the antithesis of depression. And that's a semi-big word, because I don't know big words, for saying opposite. And somebody's like, oh, that's what that means. All right, cool, cool, cool. So what I want to show you is how depression works directly against purpose, but how purpose can fight against depression, okay? Let me show you. Depression will tell you there's nothing left, but purpose will say that you have more to do. Depression tells you what are you fighting for, but purpose says there's more to fight for. Depression tells us the pain is too great to bear, but purpose tells us God can use the pain for his glory. Depression tells us just feel bad for yourself. Purpose tells us God placed you here to help others. Depression tells us I'm always going to be a victim. Purpose tells us Jesus makes you victorious and you can win this battle one day at a time. You see this difference? And so some of you might be right here right now and this seems so out of stretch and this is like sandpaper if you're here. It's rough and it's abrasive, but it's still true. See, the thing about purpose is it helps you fight in the middle of your depression. Elijah was in a place where he's lost all purpose. You gotta realize, man, this guy had quite the ministry career. I mean, he just got done overcoming 850 prophets of Baal. God literally rains fire down from heaven. Like, we're talking about pyrotechnics. Like, we're talking about all the stuff, all the things. People are listening. He, God's using him. He prays. It doesn't rain for three years. He prays again. It rains. Like, come on. Like, this guy's like, woo. And now he's like, I'm done. And we see his hopelessness in, in the phrase that he said earlier. He says, when he was in the cave, he told God, he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And it continues on to say, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Man, I've been zealous. I did all these great things. I fought for you, Lord. And now I don't know what else to do. I got no more purpose. I'm done. Just take my life. I'm at the end of my rope. 
I got nothing left to fight for. But what's so intense is God says, go out to the mouth of the cave, right? I'm about to pass you by. And a couple weeks ago, if you were here, Pastor Corey preached a phenomenal message to end out our Power Prayer series about when we feel like God is silent. And he mentions this moment where an earthquake shows up and fire shows up and wind shows up, but God was not in any of those. But then a whisper shows up. And God was in the whisper and it draws Elijah out. And in the whisper, God gives Elijah purpose again. So what he gives him in the middle of his depression, he says this in verse 19, verse nine, he says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Snapchat from Abal Maholah to succeed you as a prophet. I'm just making sure you're still awake, y'all. You thought it, I say it. That's the point. Now, listen, look, first, first and foremost, I want to point something out. You laughed way too long for that stupid joke. All right, so <laughs> go, back, go back the way you came. Now, I am not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to shame you. But from speaking from experience, not always, but definitely, when we fight with depression, just maybe it could stem from disobedience and running from your calling. Like, you know why God's placed you in a place and you ran from it, okay? Elijah, he goes, go back the way you came. I wasn't done with you yet. Go, go back to where you were. Now, I'm not saying this is why you're depressed. I'm just saying that this could feed into it. When we run against the places that God's trying to put us in, when we run against the word that he's trying to encourage us with, we can find ourselves in deep, dark places. And so I just want to say, if you're here, and I know right now you're wrestling because you know there's some things. like You made that commitment, like, God, if you get me out of this, I will go back to church, right? If you get me out of this, I will follow you forever. Well, he kept his end of the deal. Now it's time for you to keep your end of the deal, to chase him with everything you have. He says, go back the way you came, okay? He continues on, and when you get there, I want you to anoint Jehu will put to death any escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. So Elisha becomes a prophet. He's now anointing people to continue the work. Why am I showing you this? Because essentially what God was doing, he's saying, you think you're done, but I got work to do through you. I'm not done with you, Elijah. I haven't finished my ministry with you. I haven't finished my purpose with you. And so in the middle, when he thinks he's done, God is speaking purpose into Elijah. He's saying, I'm not done with you. If you're here and you have a pulse in your body, you have a purpose on this earth. If you're here and you feel like you are stuck and it's dark and you've been just walking aimlessly in motions, I've been there and it's tough sometimes and we're in these waiting patterns. I want to remind you, God still has a purpose for you in your marriage. He still has a purpose for you in your family, at your workplace, at your school, wherever he has placed you. He still has designed you for a purpose. And so I want to speak that into you. God is not done with you if there's breath in your lungs. You may not believe it. I don't know your upbringing, but you better rest assured. I know it may have been a harsh upbringing, but if God was able to get you through it, then oh my gosh, how is he gonna use it for his kingdom? He's not, he's not done with you. He still has purpose for you. And when we have purpose, it's just a little bit of light to pull us out of that cave. But here's the best thing about purpose. We don't even have to be out of the cave for us to begin to experience purpose in the cave. See, purpose helps us every single day. It doesn't just 
take care of the depression. Sometimes it can. Sometimes it gives us light in the depression. Now, let me just show you what I'm talking about. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, planted churches. And as he planted his churches, he had to write them letters. So he's writing letters to the churches. That's what we get the scriptures from. So you see the epistles and you see the letters to the churches. He's actually encouraging them. So anytime they wanted questions, they would like DM Paul. And he's like, I gotta send a letter. Like that's this, that was the original DM. Like he just was like, I gotta scribe this thing, ink, everything, and then send it off. That's how Paul encouraged the churches wherever he was at. So he actually is encouraging the church of Philippi who is going through some opposition, and he says this to him. He says, I'm certain. I love that. I got my expectation up. I got hope in my God. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work with you, church, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's a bold statement. That's hope build. That's a little bit of a motivational speaker, Paul. I don't know about that. Like, that's just like, stop sugarcoating it, right? Like, he's like, no, like, if God started it, if God started, that's key word, if God started it, he will finish it. And I'm certain of this. Now, here's the beauty of the scripture. Paul wrote this letter in his own cave. What do you mean? He was in prison, chained to a guard, 24-7, not knowing if he would live throughout the night. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a prison, chained to a guard, not knowing if I'm gonna live throughout the night, I'm crying and complaining. Right? I'm listening to My Chemical Romance, hands down. <laughs> Going back to my high school days. <laughs> it's just what it is. I wish I would be more like that. But Paul's like, you know what? I know I'm in a prison. I know I'm chained to a guard. But guess what? I'm not chained to a guard. That guard's chained to me. <laughs> and I'm going to tell him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And beyond that, I'm also going to get to work in my workroom. I'm not going to just wait. I'm going to pen to the church of Philippi. And I'm going to encourage them. I know I feel down. And this might be the end of my life. But this isn't the end of the church of Philippi's life. I'm going to put some purpose in my dark situation. What is he doing? He's saying purpose will turn your weight room into a work room. If you're here today, the greatest thing about purpose is it will turn what you're waiting on and you can get to work. Now, some of you are like, Sean, I don't get it. You told us to wait. Now we're working. What's going on? <laughs> we wait and we trust on the inside. It's a peace on the inside that no matter what I'm walking through, God is working. I'm expecting. I have purpose, but I'm going to get work on the outside. There's some things I'm waiting on today. There's some things I'm waiting for and praying for today. But guess what? I don't stop preaching every weekend. Could you imagine? Sorry, guys. Pastor Sean's waiting on something this weekend. He can't preach this weekend. <laughs> oh, sorry. Week two of Sean waiting. He's just not going to come out and preach. No, no, no. While I'm waiting, I can get to work. And when you have purpose, it turns your waiting room into a work room. So wherever you are, keep serving your spouse. Wherever you are, keep sending those encouraging texts that you wish you got yourself. Wherever you are, be that friend that that person needs at your school. Wherever you are, find some purpose on the team that you, that you play on. Find some purpose in the family. Find some purpose at the church. Look for ways to serve others. Why? Because when you're serving others, we can stop thinking about ourselves. And one thing I know about depression it's not that we should not open up about our struggle, but man, it can make us selfish if we're not careful. And I say that from experience, not because we're not going through dark times, but if we're not careful, we get our eyes fixed on us. You're like, Sean, I don't even know how to find my purpose. I don't got time to unpack that, but I can say this. 
If you want to find your purpose in your life, serve God and serve others. And I promise you, it will bring fulfillment to you in ways that you've never even experienced. How do I know? Because when Jesus on earth, he said, I serve my father and I serve those around me. And he says, and this is nourishment for my soul. If it fulfilled Jesus, I'm sure it can fulfill you. So when we serve others, what happens is it gets our eyes off of our pain for a short time and it gets it on others. And it begins to help us stand up in our cave. Pray for purpose. Have expectation. And wait with a new perspective. See, when you're in a cave, it's like all you can see is pitch black. You become nearsighted. Uh, everything you see, you don't see anything beyond just your cave. It's just so small. It feels claustrophobic. It feels like you'll never get out of it. It becomes about my pain, my struggle, and everything I'm going through. And so sometimes when I say a new perspective, like we can't even see out of this cave, what do you mean a new perspective? Well, a new perspective is gonna help you in your waiting because when we're waiting, we're exhausted. But if we wait knowing what God wants to do, it might encourage us a little bit more. Now, Elijah, man, he was in his cave and he was so nearsighted at this moment. He became so nearsighted, listen, that he actually believed that what he felt was reality. And if we are not careful when we are in these places, what we will do is we will listen to lies and we will make them truth. And that's a dangerous place to be. Elijah does this. Because in 1 Kings 19, 14b, he says, all the prophets were killed and I'm the only one left. He said, they've already killed all the other prophets. God, I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. I'm done. I'm I'm it. If they kill me, you have no other prophets. <laughs> it's just funny as I get like, God, what are you gonna do when I'm gone? Like, it's still gonna be God, right? Like, it's gonna be that. But it's true. He's like, I'm by myself. I'm lost, I'm isolated, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And what has happened is he's feeling one way and it's become truth to him, which is actually kind of startling because actually God answers and he says, you're not the only one, Elijah. He says in 1 Kings 19, 18, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. Baal was the God they were worshiping. And he says, there's 7,000 other people who have been devoted to me. <laughs> Elijah, you think you're by yourself. And I'm reminding you, I have 7,000 other people who can fight with you. You have convinced yourself that you are in this by yourself. And I'm reminding you, I still am working. I have still been orchestrating. You are not in this fight alone. I know it feels, hear me out in your cave. I know it feels like this world would be better off without you. I know it feels like you have no value in this life. But that's not reality. Because if you're in this life, it says that God knew you before anyone else in this world. And if you're in this life today, he has uniquely designed you for a great purpose. We have a great creator who does not just create people out of happenstance. He puts them here for a purpose. If you're here, you're like, Sean, I just don't know. I just can't fight anymore. I'm too tired. I'm by myself. No one cares about me. That may feel that way. But reality is there's some people that you can open up with who are ready to lock arms with you and fight this battle with you. 
if you could just have the courage to open up with the people. And I know you, maybe you have before. Or maybe you're like, Sean, it feels like this is my identity. This is who I am. This is just what my life looks like. And even though you might fight with depression for another couple months, another couple years, and maybe it's there for the long haul. As you continue to follow Christ, I want to remind you that if you are in Christ, Scripture says that you are born again, which means that is no longer your identity. Whatever you were before Christ, that's who you were. But whoever you are in Christ, you are now a child of God, and that's your new identity. That's not the truth. This is reality. And he loves his children, and he fights for his children, and he brings hope to his children, and he's got a promise for us forever for his children. So we can live with hope and expectation. And so we need a new perspective that, that we would not just stay so nearsighted, but that we would see God work in our life. And this is exactly what God does when we choose to follow Christ. Paul tells the church in Ephesus that when we make a decision to follow Christ, this is what happens. It says, Jesus raised us from the dead. Huh? I never felt dead. He's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death. And, and Jesus overcame physical death so we could live forever with him. But he says, when Christ rose from the dead after paying our sins on the cross, he says, if you are in Christ, you were raised from the dead too. And with Christ, you are now seated with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now that's heavy. You're like, heavenly realms? Like what in the, what is going on? See, it's just saying that there's two worlds at play. There's a spiritual realm and there's a physical realm. Physical beings and their spiritual beings. Jesus was fully God, spiritual, and he was fully man, physical. And he came to bridge the gap between the two. And when you are in Christ, he says, when you make that decision, what happens is now you are seated in a place with Christ, with authority and with power. And it says that Jesus, God, uses the earth as his footstool. which means we can have a new perspective of what we go through. Have you noticed that when you're close to something, you can only see what's right in front of you? But when you like zoom out, like with a drone, you see the whole landscape. And so many times we make a judgment on our life by just seeing one little glimpse. And God says, if you could just see what I see, if you could just see what I'm gonna accomplish in your life, if you could just see what I'm gonna accomplish in your marriage, if you could just see what I'm gonna accomplish, you would not let this one thing fixate you, you would trust me. I remember when I was at my darkest point, the family, friends came over to my house and they sat me on the couch and I was depressed, sick, thinking about myself. And it was kind of like, oh, great. There are church people coming over, tell me what to do. And I sat on the couch and the wife looked at me in my eyes and she said, I just want to encourage you. I heard this the other day from a preacher and I want to encourage you with it. I was like, okay. She said, this pastor was looking at this really nice car and he was super close to it and he was just looking at the handle and he's like, right from this direction, this just looks like a chrome piece of whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's just this silver chrome piece. And what happens is so many times we make so many life decisions on here, yet God sees and you see this entire car. So here we are doing this and God sees all of this, but if you would just trust God another day, you'd become more zoomed out and more zoomed out and eventually you'll begin to see more of what God is doing in your life if you could just trust him in the cave. 
I'm so glad that that simple, crazy illustration latched onto my heart from that moment on because it was just a few weeks later that I made a decision to follow Jesus. Just a couple weeks later that I plugged into the Bible college and started interning at Youth and Young Adults. It was just another two years later that I decided that we need to do Youth and Young Adults in Illinois. It was just another few years later that we decided that we need to plant the church in Pontiac, Illinois. And then it was 10 years later where I stepped into where I am today. And it's not to glorify what I have done. It's just saying, I'm so glad that I didn't give up when I was looking at the handle. Because now, I kind of see the car door, and it's looking really good. But I know that there's still more that God wants to do, not just through this pastor, through us. Through this church, and you're a part of it. And if you're not, you can be a part of the family of God by choosing to follow Christ. Why do I say that? Think about this. How would you make a decision today if you could see the whole picture right now? God sees it, and he's trying to lead you through it. Don't give up in the dark. Wait with expectation. Wait with purpose. Turn your waiting room into a workroom and ask God to give you a new perspective because he's not done with you. He's not done with you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We pray um, these are heavy issues. These are heavy topics. And Lord, they may be heavy, but they're not too heavy for you to carry. They're not too heavy for you to lift up. And so I just pray right now for everyone in this room uh, who's struggling. I pray that you give them hope in their cave. I pray for anyone in this room who's waiting. I pray, Father God, that maybe, just maybe, they can latch on to something to remind themselves that you're not done with them yet. Uh, if there's people in here who know people who are struggling with depression, I just pray you give them the words of wisdom they need to encourage their friends and their family members or their neighbors or students or coworkers or whoever it is. I just pray, Lord, that we don't come to church because we just want to hear a message and be like, cool. No, we come to church because, Lord, we want that to work in our heart. And so, Lord, whatever you did, Lord, I was obedient, but, Lord, your spirit is stronger than I am. So, Lord, just rest on hearts. Move this message from their head to their hearts. And do whatever you want to do, Lord. If you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, see that last scripture where I said that he sees us in heavenly places? That can only happen if we put our trust in God. We have to be born again. That's what Jesus said on earth, that we must be born again, which means we need to have a spiritual rebirth that can only happen through Christ. How? We sinned against him. He came to this earth because he loved us. He paid the penalty of sin and death on the cross, shed his blood. That should have been our blood on the cross, but he shed it because he was perfect and spotless. And then he gives us grace and he invites us into a relationship with God. He cleanses us from our sin. And because he raised from the grave, he brings new life to us. If you need new life and you wanna invite Jesus in right now, here's the prayer you can pray with me. Between you and God, just say this prayer in faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I need your forgiveness. I believe three days later you rose from the grave. I need your spirit. I choose to follow you today. I need to be a brand new person. Lord, I put my trust in you and I put my faith in you and I receive your grace for free. Make me a new person in Jesus' name, amen.